Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right, well, good morning. It's good to see each of you here. We're beginning a brand new series, uh, fall launch, back to school weekend, brand new series called The Church, Belonging and Becoming. I really think uh, this is a right now word for our faith family at this church, but also I think for the church at large in our nation, the United States of America. Um, I, I think there's always an understanding when we read in scripture of following Jesus, being a believer, a Christian within the context of community. Why? Because being a Christian was never meant to be lived out or experienced alone. It's always this idea of a community of believers. And so I know though, with uh, in a room uh, of this many people and different services, people watching online, um, there's a wide range of people that are here today. Uh, there are some that really love the local church. Amen. There's 11 of us. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. <laughs> Four are employed here, so that's good. But anyway, um, you know, and then you don't have to like respond out loud or anything, but also a room of this size, multiple services, people watch online. There's also bound to be a lot of people that have been hurt by a local church, right? So there's this wide range of people, everything in between. Um, but, but one of my prayers during this series um, for the next two months is that we would reevaluate our commitment to one another as we follow Christ. Um, because I really do believe that the church is a place to belong. You're not supposed to be out there on your own, just do a thing, things by yourself, but it's also a place to become. Yes, you, you belong, but we also become. I want you to know that you're not here by accident. I believe you came for more than apple cider and donuts and the petting zoo or whatever else we have going on out there. I'm not even totally sure, but I'm sure it's awesome. But you're not here by accident. Um, and wherever you are on your spiritual journey, as the pastor, I want you to hear me say once again, you belong here. Um, but I also want to emphasize with the help of the Holy Spirit that you can become more like Christ here. Um, and within that context of community that we call a circle of friends, you become more like Jesus as the Bible describes it as this process of iron sharpening iron. Now, when iron sharpens iron, it means sparks are going to fly. <laughs> like in the parking lot on your way out when somebody cuts you off trying to get home, right? Like, no, it's sparks are going to fly. So my encouragement for you when sparks fly is don't quit. Amen. Don't walk out. Be committed to see it through. Because that is what church was meant to be, a place for belonging and becoming. Amen? All right, if you have a note sheet, you can look at it. Hopefully you got it on the way in. There's only four points today, but I got just as many pages. Acts chapter two, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? 
for the reading of God's Word. Thanks so much again to everybody for making today possible. So much uh, preparation's gone in, planning and prayer, and it's just a great day. Uh, welcome again to those watching and worshiping online. My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. It's a joy. Uh, sizzling summer is over. Fall is now here, and uh, I'm ready to preach uh, over these next couple months. And uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. The Bible reads like this, um, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Wasn't it fun last week to all be together in one place? Come on, that was so great. We had our Spanish and our French francophone. Of course, we're still uh, interpreting for the deaf, but uh, now Spanish is in their own service again. During the nine o'clock, francophone had their service. But October 30th, we'll be back together again. It's gonna be awesome. There's something special that happens when we're all together in one place. It says, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I've titled today's message, Power for Today power for today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I got four points and six pages, but I promise I'll be done before the Vikings game starts today. Amen. Yeah, they're at 3.30, so you're fine. As I said, we'll be in this Book of Acts series, really just the first eight chapters. It talks about the local church here in these first eight chapters for the next two months. It's talking about the global expansion of the local church. It's a first century account that I believe has 21st century implications. That's power for today. It's not just back then. We're doing more than taking a history class at school. We're we're doing more than just reading a textbook. We're reading the living word of God, and we believe there is power available for us today. Can I get a good amen? Thank you, Jeff Dio, for the help, right? So if you're newer to church, let me just give you a little Bible overview. Um, The book of Acts is in what we call the New Testament. The first 39 books are the Old Testament. There's 66 books in the Bible. The first 39 are the Old Testament. Then there was a 400-year gap. There was a time of silence where God did not speak to his people. He didn't speak through his people. It was a period of silence from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. Then the New Testament begins with the first four books. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Within those Gospels, we read about the life and times of Jesus. He was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, did miracles, but then was crucified on the cross, died for my sin and your sin, was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected three days later, and then he ascended back to the Father. And he left us. And he said, go and figure it out. No, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. He gave a command, but then he gave a promise. And that promise is where we pick it up in Acts chapter two. Well, technically it's Acts chapter one. So I've got one point for Acts chapter one, and then I'll preach on Acts chapter two. So you see there on your notes, an old promise for a new power. 
It's an old promise for a new power. It, the promise was actually a prophecy found in the Old Testament. One of those books, it was the prophet Joel. Joel chapter two and 28. He said, and afterward, I will pour my spirit out on all people. Say all people. All people. <laughs> if you are a people, that means you are part of all people. <laughs> You know, some people aren't sure, you know, what you are, but if you're a person, you're a people, you qualify for the spirit of God being poured out because it was a prophecy that then Jesus made a promise. It was a prophecy. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It's not just for the dudes. It's for the dudes and the dudettes. He said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. So it's for men and women. It's for old and young. He says, even on my servants. See, it made sense that the rich people, the well-off, the, the popular, the cool, the in crowd would get it. But also those on the outside, my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now that prophecy from the prophet Joel was like 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. And then Jesus showed up and he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So now it was really an old promise or it was an old prophecy, but Jesus promised them a new power. These people, the, the children of Israel, they've been waiting a long time to see the Spirit of God poured out. <laughs> 700 years is slightly more than two weeks to slow the spread. <laughs> that's funny. And if you didn't laugh, you need a sense of humor because that's funny. <laughs> They believed it would happen eventually, like Joel prophesied it, but they just didn't know when it was going to happen. They believed it would happen, they just didn't know when it would take place. But then Jesus personalized the promise to them. I love that. It wasn't just a prophecy that in those days the Spirit would be poured out on everybody. Jesus said, my Spirit will be poured out on you. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I love that personalization of the promise. Now, for a moment, I need to clarify, you know, for some blogs in the world, there's some people that are like, you know, the Bible was not written to America. Thanks. I got it. Bible 2,000 years ago, America 200 years ago. Thanks for using up web domain space for that revelation. We got it. However, although the promises were not given to you, spoken directly to you, I believe they are for you. There's a big difference. See, we can still receive the promises of God. In fact, I believe it's appropriate to personalize the promises of God when we read them in Scripture, not because they were written to us, but because they were given for us. We, we are still inheritors of those promises of God. Jesus was speaking to a small group of believers on that day, but the promise would not be limited in scope, but rather unlimited in size for all who desire to receive. This is not just for those people, but this is for you and for me still today. That's why we've titled it Power for Today. 
Jesus gave a command. We call it the Great Commission, go into all the world. Quite the daunting mission, quite the big assignment. I'm fairly certain back then they didn't even know what the ends of the earth looked like. <laughs> they didn't have Google Earth. They didn't know. They, you know. But Jesus promised them a new power to accomplish his plan to reach the world. It's an old promise for a new power. Number two, prayer is a catalyst for unity. This is just right here in verse one. It says it so plainly. Maybe you missed it when I read it the first time. But it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Amen. Some of the rest of you are still missing it, and that's okay, because first service did too. That's why I'm the pastor. I'm gonna help you today <laughs> understand, because you're like, I don't see prayer in there. It's all over in there. Let me clarify. Um, prayer, they had just spent 10 days praying together. Jesus gave them that command, right? Go and wait until you receive power from the Father. So they didn't know what it was going to look like or how long it would take, but they went and they prayed. And a massive shift took place in those 10 days. They were unified. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Your, your translation, your Bible may have said in one accord. I've mentioned this before. The, the Greek word there, the original language word is homothumadon, kind of like homogenous, right? Homothumadon. And what that really means is one fire, one passion. It was unity. It was not uniformity. They were different people from different backgrounds, different lives that they lived, and they came together in prayer. Prayer is what unified them and was the catalyst for the move of God that would be thereafter. But, but I think this missing element of unity from prayer is missing in the church at large here in America. Right? We see this in every aspect of our lives in our nation. It's me versus you. It's us versus them. It's winners versus losers. It's Vikings versus Packers. Right? It's, it's in every area of our life. Whatever the topic, we've been encouraged or pushed toward picking an opposing side. And tragically, it's common within the church as well. But this is not a new phenomenon at all. In fact, the disciples thought about stuff like this and they were with Jesus every day. Book of Acts uh, written here, we see Luke. Let's go to his first account, Luke, and then Acts. It's like a continuation from the same author. Luke chapter nine gives us a glimpse into these crazy dudes called disciples. You would think walking with Jesus and seeing the miracles and being in his presence, they would have had it all figured out. Wrong. <laughs> Luke chapter nine, verse 46. It says, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Like for real. You, you were part of the 12. Like you get to walk with Jesus. You're seeing what he's doing. And your primary concern is, am I better than him? I mean, they all knew they were better than Judas. You know, <laughs> Sorry, that's a church show. Judas would later betray Jesus. They didn't know it. That's why they were like, "We don't know." You know, but but this was with the disciples. They were fighting about who's the greatest. Look, Luke chapter twenty-two. They didn't even figure it out the first time. It happened again. Luke chapter twenty-two and twenty-four. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be 
greatest. Come on. These, this is the ragtag group that Jesus was like, they're the ones, God. We're going to change the world. <laughs> and they're like, am I better than him? Is he better than me? You know, like, they were fighting. They were arguing. They were disagreeing. Me versus you. God, if it's him, it can't be me. If it's me, it won't be him. I need to know. Me versus him. Us versus them. And then something happened. Jesus was crucified, died on the cross, was buried for three days, but then he was resurrected. And you know, difficult times have a way of clarifying our perspective. When Jesus was crucified, they were like, okay, maybe I don't want to be the next greatest. <laughs> maybe second best is where I want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, how fast do you have to be to outrun a bear? Just faster than your friend. You know, like, that's the deal. <laughs> Peter's got a bigger mouth. Go after him, you know, <laughs> right? But difficult times and tough trials have a way of clarifying things for us because challenges help us see more clearly what really matters in life. But they didn't just gain clarity through tough times. Before Jesus was crucified, they were fighting about who's the greatest. Then Jesus was crucified and, and we don't read that they're fighting anymore about who's the greatest, but something happened after that. They didn't just gain clarity in tough times, they gained unity in prayerful times. What happened is they went and they prayed for 10 days. Then we see that homothumadon, homogenous, the same passion, the same fire was only gained through unity of prayer. Yeah. Prayer brings our passion together and it unifies us for the mission at hand. Could it be that the church in America could begin the change that we need to see in our nation? Could it be that through the prayers of the saints that we could experience unity, that that prayer that we would pray together would become a catalyst for unity in our land? I wonder what would happen in our nation if every believer would set aside the pursuit of personal achievement in order to pray and experience corporate unity in Jesus Christ. Here's what we know, friends. Prayer increases unity. We see it right here in this text. We read it throughout scripture. We've experienced it in our own lives. Prayer increases unity. We see this during 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. There's increased unity in the house. We see it on Monday nights at prayer gathering. There's increased unity in the body. We see this, this is true in your marriage. When you take time to pray for and to pray with one another, there will be an increase in unity in your marriage. Back when I used to uh, talk with couples who were going through tough times, then they were like, we don't want to talk to him. He don't help us at all. So now I don't talk to people anymore. But I, when I used to talk with people, I'd be like, if they come in, they're fighting all the time. I'm like, well, how much do you pray for each other? And how much do you pray with each other? I've never talked to a couple that's constantly, constantly fighting that's full of prayer for each other. Never happened. I'm not saying prayer makes you not fight. I'm not saying prayer makes your spouse a better person. I'm just saying people who spend time praying for one another and with one another have an increase of unity. Yes. It's true in families. 
If you'll spend time praying for your kids and with your kids, it will increase unity. Right after you go through a decrease in them liking you. That's okay. You could be different, spend time in prayer and become more alike. Because we're not trying to get uniformity, we're trying to get to unity. And prayer is what changed it. For 10 days, they got together and they prayed. They were fighting about who's the greatest. Now, they're together in one place. Hamathumadon. Number three. You don't have to understand it to experience it. I hope this helps a lot of people. It helped four people in the first service trying to get to 10 today. (laughs) Verses two to three, it says, suddenly, by the way, I just, I love that word. It's not really the point of this, but I'm just like, I'm still praying suddenly prayers. You know, like Jesus told them, he said, go and wait. So they did that. They, were go- they went, they were praying, they were doing what they know to do. They didn't know how long it would be, but they were just going to pray and then suddenly happened. I'm praying suddenly, I've been praying suddenly prayers all week for today. Like you've been obeying God, you've been doing what he's asked you to do, you've been faithful and then just suddenly. It might happen today, it might happen tomorrow, it might happen next week, but I want us to be people who continue to pray suddenly prayers. <laughs> that we just do what God asks us to do and then suddenly he shows up and we get to be the recipients of what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. You know, it's something supernatural that happened and they couldn't fully explain it in a natural way. They tried, they did their best, but it says they heard something that sounded like the blowing of a violent wind. We don't actually know if there was a blowing of a violent wind. (laughs) It just sounded like it to them. It says that they saw something that seemed to be tongues of fire. It's like when you're trying to search for a word, how to do it. It's so fun. So oftentimes on Monday morning in our preaching meeting, we'll be talking and and, uh, we're discussing primarily in English, but then sometimes Pastor Vicente uh, is trying to figure out how to say it for Celebration Espanol or Pastor Judith talking about Francophone. And uh, just this last week, Pastor Vicente looked at Pastor Judith and said, how do you say, and, and she was like, why are you asking me? <laughs> you know? She's like, I don't know Spanish. I can't help you, you know? And, and so, but you know, when you're like searching, you know what you want to, you're like, I, and you're trying to find the right word, description, somebody help me. And that's what we see here. They're like, it sounded like this. I'm not really sure it was, but we're trying to describe it. We're, we're trying, it seemed like this is what we saw, but we're not really, it's just, we're, they didn't understand it. Right. Like they didn't have uh, any other explanation. They were just there. Like even now we're looking back and we're like, oh, okay, we've heard somebody else's description. But for them, they were experiencing it firsthand. They didn't understand it, but they still experienced it. And let me just say the same is still true for us today. We still don't really understand it. Which, by the way, I don't want to worship a God that I fully understand. What kind of God is capable to be fully understood by my finite brain? Don't judge me, your brain is finite too. Right? So we we can't fully understand it, we can't fully explain it, and yet, friends, we can still experience it. Why? It's okay. It's supernatural. What does that mean? It goes beyond our natural confines and our earthly knowledge and understanding. And I'll mention, I'm thankful for Google, except for when my kids use it to tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) 
I'm like, you mind your business. I'm right. They're like, no, you're not. Okay. I'm like, I'm taking your phone. I'll use my iPad. Oh! Hey Siri. Okay, you turn that off, Alexa. Okay, whatever. I'm thankful for Google, but I wonder if we've become too dependent upon it these days. Like spiritually speaking, have we lost the awe and wonder of God in our search to fully understand every last little thing? Now, maybe you're here today and you come from a background of faith that is taught against the moving of the Holy Spirit. Or perhaps you didn't grow up in church at all and everything I'm saying today is totally new to you. Either way, you're in a good place for the power of God to move in your life today because you don't have to understand it to experience it. Right? There's no theological paper that you have to write at the end of today's sermon. I hope you're taking a lot of notes, but I'll give you a copy of mine. That's fine, right? There's no essay that you have to write to um, articulate your comprehension of this supernatural matter. You don't have to understand it to experience it. Pastor Joe says it this way to so many couples in the pre-marriage class, don't get stuck in the paralysis of analysis. (laughs) Oh, okay, I gotta figure everything out, you know? And no, you don't have to figure it out. For some people... They, they, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They receive this gift of speaking in tongues uh, like while they're worshiping God. Other people, they're praying with somebody. Other people, they're driving home. Some people, maybe you'll get it when you're sleeping and your brain finally settles down. <laughs> we don't have to understand it to experience it. We receive it the same way that we're saved. We just believe in faith. And we say, God, I'm open to whatever it is that you have for me today. Amen. All right, number four. This is really the, the, the main point of the sermon and i uh, uh, done my best to get to this point in an expedient manner. Number four, speaking in tongues is proof, not the purpose. Yeah. It's proof, not the purpose. Now, this is probably the big one and so I'll spend the most time here in case it's the biggest hang up for, for different people here today. The Bible says in verse four, all of them, somebody say all. <laughs> it wasn't just for a few of them. It wasn't just for the dudes. It wasn't just, it was all of them who were there. They had gathered for prayer. They were unified together and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, Jeff Dio shared on this topic a lot with his upbringing and different things. So let me just give a little bit of teaching here in this moment to help you. Um, You receive the person of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. Let me explain that to you. Jesus does not come into your heart, right? We may ask little kids that. We're like, hey, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? Cool. Wrong. He's not available for that. (laughs) You can want him to, but he ain't gonna, He's at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for you and I. And what happens is when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, he forgives us of our sin, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in our life. The Bible says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us. That, that by the way, that is a good reason to, to take care of your physical temple. It's a good reason to be careful about things that you allow in, right? Because the Holy Spirit's here. Like, you wouldn't just bring any old thing and put it up on this screen at church. You'd be like, oh, that's the church screen. So don't just let any old thing into the screen of your mind. Like the Holy Spirit lives in you. This is his temple. This is now where he lives. But the Holy Spirit is a person. You can't get part of a person. You either got the person 
or you didn't. So what happens is when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You have now received the Holy Spirit. But there is an additional experience of not the Holy Spirit coming into you, but really the Holy Spirit coming out of you. Now this is true whether you grew up Lutheran, Pentecostal, Baptist like Jeff Dio. Jeff has told us a few times, he grew up in the type of Baptist church that like really avoided the strange uncle known as the Holy Spirit. Like in their church, they were cool with God the Father, seemed like a good guy, you know. Jesus the Son, we all love him, but Holy Spirit, he messed up Thanksgiving last year, we don't want him. <laughs> that's his testimony, not mine, I'm just saying, that's, what, that's the deal. Okay, so, he shares this story that his pastor, Moore Davis in Tennessee, helped explain to him, because they were living in Nashville and touring with his band and national recording artists and all these awards and all that kind of stuff, and he was like, oh... I didn't really know about this, right? Like Paul would ask those other believers, well, did you, you know, receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so it's kind of the same word, but it's different. It's like, well, I know you're saved because what happens is really our lives are empty without Christ. Now this bottle's full, but, but without Christ, our lives are empty. We're just an empty Diet Coke bottle because it's got less sugar and the Ross family's trying to work on that. Okay, so it's a Diet Coke bottle. I don't know if that Pastor Maury would agree with that, Jeff, but we're working with a Diet Coke in Minnesota, okay? And what happens is when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Can you all see that? This bottle is not empty. In this illustration, the Holy Spirit now lives in you. So if somebody told you, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit, guess what? They're wrong. There, I said it. You can send an email to jeffdio at jeffdio.com. Is that even a real email? I don't even know, but whatever. Do you have your own website? My man, okay, I don't have one. You have the Holy Spirit. But what happens is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, it's not about the Holy Spirit coming into your life. It's about the Holy Spirit getting out of your life and onto those around you. It's, it's, we all make a decision to take the, okay, Kevin shook this up in the back. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, I'm just kidding. Kevin, help me out for service too. It's about taking the lid off so that the Holy Spirit can come out. In other words, salvation is about the Holy Spirit coming into you. Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit getting out of you. You don't need to put more Diet Coke in the bottle to get Diet Coke out of the bottle. Nor do you have to push it over. <laughs> By the way, nor do you have to shake it up because I don't want to get dirty. <laughs> but it is available for the Holy Spirit to come out. All right. How many people have ever, uh, I'm going to do a little science experiment. I got Mentos. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, by the way, we want to give everybody a sleeve of Mentos on the way out because you might need fresh breath. I don't know, but whatever. Which technically that's a good encouragement for us spiritually, but I'll come back to that at the closing. All right, just thought of that, Jeff. So you don't have to put more Diet Coke. Oh, he's filming. Okay, praise the Lord. You don't have to put more Diet Coke in the bottle to get the Diet Coke out of the bottle. But step one is you really do have to take the lid off your life. There it is. Yeah. Right? Like Jeff's preached all over the country on this and people always ask him like, oh, do I speak in tongues or God? Yeah. 
You partner with God. You just have to be open and available. But the truth is, there's something that happens when this goes in. I did it in the first service and I didn't die, so we're gonna try it again. I told the first service, if it doesn't work, I'm not gonna do it in the second service, but it works, so we're gonna do it again. Because it's not about more for me. It's about what I've received being for others. Right? So we're going to do a little science experiment and I'm going to try not to get uh, soaked again. I did a little false start in the first time. Okay. Oh, great. My father-in-law is recording me, but that's perfect. Are you, is it really recording? I want to give you that opportunity in case you were taking a picture, but you meant a video. That's happened before to our family. Okay. There we have it. First service was much more impressed than you were, by the way. Wow, that's still dripping, praise the Lord. Um, But my boots were clean both services, so that's fantastic. So it's not necessarily about getting more for you. It's about allowing what God has put into you to be for other people. That's really what this is about. Tongues, it's, it's proof, but it's not the purpose. All right, let me back this up for you biblically because I know you didn't really come for a science experiment. <laughs> I mean, maybe you did, I don't know, but apparently my father-in-law did. He was like, I'm recording it. <laughs> let me give it to you biblically. There was three feasts that the Jews, the, they would go, they would attend. Uh, one of them is that feast of unleavened bread, the first fruits, I've taught on that before, right? Um, there was the feast of tabernacles and then there was the feast of Pentecost, So Pentecost, penta means 50. So Pentecost was really 50 days after Passover. It's just numerical deal. And so they would gather for a feast. And this is actually why there was a lot of people that were in town from different parts. They had all gathered for the feast. So it's an interesting uh, thing to realize. Everybody came for an official feast. But another way to describe the feast of Pentecost was called the feast of harvest. The purpose of the Feast of Pentecost was to gather and to give God thanks for the harvest they'd received and the harvest that they were believing for still to come. Think about it, friends, that the the message of Pentecost was about a harvest long before there was tongues involved. Therefore, I can prove to you biblically that tongues is proof of Pentecost. It says all of them were filled and they started speaking in other tongues, but it was never the purpose of Pentecost. In other words, I would say, if Pentecost only changes your life, you need to experience Pentecost again. It was always designed for more than tongues. It's evidence, it's proof. We're like, I see it, can't deny it. It's on the whole floor. But if it doesn't change anybody around you, it's inherently baked into the name, harvest. There's no greater harvest, friends, not a pay raise or increase or anything else. There's no greater harvest than a harvest of souls. And what did Jesus say? You'll receive power at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. The purpose was not tongues. The purpose is still not tongues. They're real, they're there, it's proof, it's evidence, but the purpose was and is and always will be evangelism. What do we see there in verse five and following? We see the launch of global evangelism. 
This is one, one of the reasons why I'm so thankful Assemblies of God, our fellowship, you know, a little bit over 100 years old, but we're committed to global missions, to global evangelism. It's inherent here to Pentecost. Look at this experience, verses five and following. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Remember, they had to come for this feast of Pentecost, this feast of harvest. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now remember, earlier in scripture, other people referred, or we'll read about later, that they were referred to as unschooled and ordinary men. And yet, all of a sudden, it's this multilingual crazy thing taking place. They were utterly amazed and they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Well, then how is it that each of us is hearing them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. That's a good sandwich, I think. I'm not sure. Pastor Vicente is like, you can't pronounce all those names. I was like, neither can they. It won't matter. Pontish and Asia. Phrygia, that's a Christian cuss word. <laughs> Phrygia <laughs> and <laughs> Dad, you can't say that. It's Acts chapter two, verse ten. Lincoln, leave me alone. Phrygia <laughs> and Pamphylia, Egypt, other parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Nailed that one. Rome. <laughs> both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. There was a special miracle where people from all over heard the gospel in their own language. By the way, that's still a massive need today. We're partnering with other churches, organizations, trying to get the Bible translated in the next decade. Um, in, so that everybody has access to God's word in their own language. You'll hear a little bit more about that in November. It's a massive undertaking, but it is possible. But I also know that it's especially possible through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, in case you're, you're new and you're a little confused, maybe you've been here for a while and you're like, this seems weird. I want to emphasize today's not about a science experiment, but it is about a supernatural encounter. It's not about a science experiment. It's about a supernatural encounter. I have the team come back out. Uh, Roman can begin playing and make it feel like I'm almost done. I still got one more page, but let me summarize this with a story from Jack Hayford's book. Pastor John Lindell told me about it. Uh, Jack Hayford's book called The Beauty of Spiritual Language. If you'd like to order it and read it, you could do that for yourself. The Beauty of Spiritual Language. Jack Hayford uh, retells this story and I'll kind of summarize for the sake of time. He was flying to speak somewhere and he found himself seated next to a businessman, a well-dressed businessman on an airplane. And he tried to engage the man in friendly conversation and noticed in their uh, pleasantries that this other man had kind of a different accent and he had guessed maybe it was from the southwest so he asked him are, are you from the south and the man kind of appeared a little slightly apologetic about his awkward speech and he said I, I guess I, I'm not really proud of how I talk because growing up as a kid uh, of the Kiowa Indian tribe students used to make fun of me when I was on the playground for how I talked and in that moment of strange speech, the Holy Spirit told Jack Hayford, a famous pastor, speak to him in tongues. Um, 
So Jack let that instruction percolate in the back of his head while continuing to speak with the man beside him. It was a strange command, and Jack wanted to obey um, without coming across as a total idiot. (laughs) The businessman was a successful engineer, and every attempt that Jack Hayford made to create an inroad for the gospel was rebuffed repeatedly. They even talked about a business trip that had taken them to the Holy Land and and Jack Haver had offered him a Bible and the guy said, no, I wouldn't even read it. I'm just not a spiritual man. So after about an hour, they'd eaten their, their meal and Jack turned and felt the leading of the Holy Spirit again and he asked the man seated next to him. He said, would, would you mind if I shared a few words with you from a language that I've heard, but, but I don't know what the words mean. And the man obliged. He said, sure. So Jack began to speak in tongues. Not sure what would happen, but willing to obey what God told him to do. He only spoke a few words, maybe as much as one paragraph. And the man interrupted him and said, you're speaking a primitive form of an ancient Kiowa native tongue. Jack said, well, do you know what they mean? He said, I, I don't really know all the words, but the summary of what you were talking about was about a light coming down from above. In the next few minutes, Jack shared the gospel about the light of the world that came down from above. And on that airplane, Jack led that man named Bill to the Lord. Speaking in tongues, it was proof, but it wasn't the purpose. I think it illustrates so strongly for us that the power of God is about far more than a church service. It's the power to be his witnesses shared this out in the lobby as Dale was coming in. He said, oh, my mom had that happen. She apparently sang a song in Chinese. <laughs> I said, I didn't know she knew Chinese. He said, oh, she didn't. <laughs> but they heard it. <laughs> it's proof. It's not the purpose. The same is still true for us today. So my prayer today is that we would be filled with the Spirit so full that it would explode out of us and minister to those around us. I close with this, and we're going to respond a few moments of worship. This power is available for all. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for band. It's available for all. You know, I mentioned you could get everybody on the way out. We got a sleeve of Mentos for you. Made a joke. Maybe it's for fresh breath, but I do pray it's for fresh breath. The breath of God. That it would be a reminder to each of us that there's a purpose for the power of God in our lives. It's about far more than chills and thrills on a Sunday morning. It's so that those who've never heard will hear 
to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you'll receive power to be my witness. You know, the truth is, in a little bit of study there, that word witness carried with it a connotation of willing to witness to the point of death. There's a root derivative or identification there, even where we end up pulling the word martyr. That Jesus said, you'll go and you'll give up your life to testify about me. So many of us, we might be like Jack Hayford, a little concerned about saying something like that to the person next to us on the airplane. <laughs> I'll admit, put me on that list, you know. I don't know, God, that seems like a little weird. <laughs> Have Jeff Dio do it, you know, he's, he's fine. <laughs> but you know, the people, followers of Jesus, those disciples, they all were killed for their faith. Well, John, he was sent out to the island by himself, but... <laughs> A lot of times we think about that end result, oh, I'll give my life for that. But I wonder, you know, will, will we live for him every day? And just a simple willingness and obedience, if God asks you to say something to somebody on an airplane, person serving you at a restaurant, student you share a locker with, your neighbor, your family member, are we willing to be used? Are we willing to take the lid off our life and allow some fresh breath to impact those around us? So that's really my prayer here this morning, that each of us would choose. I can't choose it for you. I wish I could. But each of us have to choose to remove the lid from our life. If you're saved, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit. But then there's another experience, another encounter when if you'll just remove the lid and allow the Holy Spirit, you'll be filled so completely full. There's an explosion that'll happen and I believe it'll change the lives of those around you. Because Jesus said, if you're gonna go and do what I've asked you to do, to go into all the world, you're gonna need my help. And the good news is he said, I'll ask and the Father will give him to you. He'll give you that advantage, the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning? I'm gonna have the team lead us in the song for a few minutes. You know, tomorrow night at prayer gathering, we'll talk about this a little bit more, give more specific opportunity. You're like, maybe I want some more information. We'll, we'll be glad to give it to you, but I remind you, you don't have to understand it to experience it. They could just be in this moment while we're singing. You could receive that power. The Holy Spirit could flow out of you. You might be driving home. You might be out at the petting zoo and his power will overwhelm your life and come out of you whatever it is again you can get a Mentos on the way out as a reminder but I'd like for us to respond to today we're, we're responding on our own but we're responding together and I'm going to pray that we would all choose to remove the lid the barrier, the cap of our lives so that God he's filled us could come out of us and impact those around us. Amen? Would you bow your head, close your eyes, and let me just pray for us, and then we're going to sing together. I say, Father, I come and I ask on behalf of your people. I can't choose for them, but I'm praying for them. 
begin in me, in each and every one of us, God, help us to remove the lid of our lives. The lid that said we want to hold on to whatever it is that we've received, whatever you've done in us. We've received your forgiveness. We've received your grace. But I pray today we'd remove that lid and allow your Holy Spirit to explode out of us and to change each and every person around us. God, give us the proof so that we can fulfill your purpose. And we pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's sing together here this morning. God is the one. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.